This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Today, I am joined again by the amazing smart and talented Melanie Avalon. She and I had a really lengthy conversation earlier this spring, and we just decided to do two episodes at the same time. One was focused on biohacking for which she is well known for. And this conversation today is going to pivot a bit. We're going to focus on blood sugar dysregulation, all the things that you need to know about managing your blood sugar, tapping into your intrinsic hormonal regulation in the body and utilizing ways to ensure that your blood sugar is well supported, including stacking your macros and other strategies. So I hope you'll enjoy our discussion. You can definitely tell there's a natural friendship and rapport there, and she is a joy to interview. So let's talk a little bit about the value of metabolic flexibility. I know you are a fan of intermittent fasting as well as, you know, all these little biohacking devices. And I'm wearing my CGM right now and I'm just coming off of like a 30 hour fast. For some reason, I thought that would be a good thing to do after doing a, a refeeding day on Saturday. I was like, okay. And I've like completely overconsumed way more carbs than I would normally. So let's just do a long fast. And then I feel like I'm kind of tuned back in with my body, but when did you start getting interested in fasting? I know you and Jen have a, an incredible podcast and that's been going on for several years. So when did that start for you? Yeah, it actually started in, so the first big dietary shift that I made, because growing up, I did a lot of crazy diet. Like I did all of the diets, like, I mean, calorie counting, HCG diet. I did like the cookie diet where you eat like these crazy cookies. No way. Yeah. Like I looked at the ingredients recently and they send you like shipments of cookies and you eat, you replace like your meals with them. Literally the ingredients are like gluten. (laughs) (laughs) Like like I looked at them recently. I did low carb in 2010. And that was the first time that I was trying to lose weight, but I perceived other things happening. I was like, Oh, like I actually feel better. My skin is clearing up. I have more energy. Maybe there's something going on here. And that's when I became diet excess obsessed or like the science of diet Mm -hmm. obsessed. So in the low carb world at that time, intermittent fasting, I mean, nobody really knew what it was, but it was, if you were to find it, it would be in that low carb Mm -hmm. keto world. So I started doing, I said, I was going to do it for a week and just the one meal a day. So just eating at night. And I felt so amazing. I never stopped. I think one of the biggest benefits are you just, especially with a one meal a day in the evening, you gain back so much time. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to, especially I was in college. So I like driving back and forth or like, I didn't have to like plan breakfast and plan snacks and plan lunch. I just had all, I just had time. So it was really wonderful. And so I've been doing it ever since then. Haven't really stopped and started yeah, the intermittent fasting podcast about three years ago. What was the question about it beyond that? No, no. I was just curious how long you've been fasting Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think people come to fasting for different reasons. I know. And my listeners know this. I came to fasting because I hit the perimenopause wall literally. And I had had multiple people just innocently recommended in a one week span of time. And so I spent time, I bought Jason Fung's book and dove into it and it was like, okay, there's a healthcare provider who's 
advocating this lifestyle. And I always think of him as like the modern day father of intermittent fasting. And so that was like six years ago. And now it's obviously become something that I'm well known for, but I know so much more about it because I think there's a very surface level of fasting that most people know, and that's as much as they want to know. And at the time I didn't really necessarily understand the deeper science and you know, the impact on the mitochondria, I just kind of took it as like, this works really well. And I don't have to worry about, you know, eating breakfast. I get so much more done in the morning and I don't have to worry about carting food around. Like that was something as a healthcare provider to cart food around is not convenient. Like who wants to see you bringing little minute, like I would bring little Pyrex boxes of salad and snacks. And because that's, we were conditioned to believe we're supposed to be eating every two or three hours and before and after the gym and all these other things. So for me, it was a lot of food freedom but the longer I've been doing it, the more intuitive it's become. Like, I feel like, like I mentioned to you, I had a feast day on Saturday, which is a day when I either up my carbs or my protein. And I was like, oh, okay, well tomorrow I'm going to do a long fast. So I did a 30 hour fast into Monday. And then I just broke my fast before, you know, we started recording. And, And to me, it's just nice not having to worry about one more thing, like in our otherwise very busy lives, it's super helpful. But when we kind of pivot and talk about, you know, metabolic flexibility and, you know, what does that represent to you and intermittent fasting, you know, we also tend to focus a lot on blood sugar and, you know, metabolic flexibility, being able to utilize fats and carbohydrates for fuel. I think people think now carbs are all bad and fats are all good. And it's really not as simplistic as that. Yeah. It's funny. So like the diet I actually follow right now is I eat very high carb, low fat, which can seem scary to people, especially in the low carb world. But yeah, this whole idea of metabolic flexibility and fuel substrates or more like statements, you know, when we talk about metabolic flexibility, what does that mean? I think we've got, there's always this polarizing dogma of like fats are good, carbs are bad, or, you know, fasting is good, not fasting is bad. And so much to your point, you've experimented, I've experimented, finding what works for you and your body is really critical. And I think the younger you are, the more metabolically flexible you are, the more carbohydrates you can consume. That has been my like working hypothesis that, you know, the people who I see struggle the most with carbohydrates are oftentimes the people who are the least metabolically flexible. They're usually the ones who are obese and maybe they're insulin resistant. And so kind of touching on there's, you know, these, the N of one, like really the experimentation process, because I know that people that are listening don't have the ability to see Melanie. Melanie's obviously a very healthy young person. And so it's not at all surprising that, you know, the lower fat higher carb works really well. And I think that's great. It's all about finding what works best for us. Yeah. That's 100% what I think. So our bodies keep going back to like intuitively what our bodies are meant to do or made to do. And like we're able and capable of running on all different macronutrients, fat, carbs, alcohol, even (laughs) protein is not ideal as an energy source, but in our modern environment. Oh, and then on top of that, our body fat is also meant to be energy. Like it's meant to be used and it's meant to be stored and used. Like it's there for a purpose to give us energy. I mean, the amount of energy we store in our body fat is shocking. I think it's the equivalent of like an average person. And I realize people have all different levels. I've read that like an average person has enough stored body fat to walk like a thousand miles, like just on that energy in our modern environment where we're eating 24 seven. So we're constantly in a storage mode and also where we are eating a lot of carbs with fat together. 
we're basically keeping on insulin, which is telling our, it's stopping our fat cells from releasing energy. It's stopping our glycogen, our carb stores from releasing carbs. So it's putting us into a perpetual storage mode. So basically insulin's role is to keep our energy in storage. And when that's the case, he talks about something called energy toxicity. Like we basically just take in too much energy today Mm -hmm. and it keeps our bloodstream full of fatty acids and blood sugar. And when that's the case, our bodies have a priority of using fuel in our body. They want to use, well, alcohol first because it's a toxin. So if we have drinking alcohol, that's what's going to be burned first. Then they're burning carbs like blood Mm -hmm. sugar. Uh, well, carbs from our diet, blood sugar, glyco- stored carbs in our glycogen, dietary fat and body fat are lower down. So our bodies, cause they can store fat all day, mm-hmm. <laughs> all day, every day. So when we are constantly eating and constantly eating carbs in particular, we kind of lock ourselves into the body, just wanting to burn carbs. And then, you know, like our blood sugar drops. And so we refill. And so it's just like this roller coaster of madness. And, um, ideally we should be able to eat carbs during the day with our meals or whenever we eat them at night, whenever. And when we don't have food or when we're fasted, ideally we would be able to easily tap into our fat stores and use them for fuel. Like our body should be able to like deal with things and and flip back and forth. And that's the metabolic flexibility aspect of it. And, but it really does come down. It's not like I'm making it sound very casual. It's not casual. Like the mitochondria of our cells are primed to they get accustomed to burning a certain thing. So it's like enzymes and it's very granular. There's actually things going on when people do things like change their diet macros, maybe go low carb or do fasting. It can teach our bodies to start more easily switching between fat and carbs for fuel. Of course, on top of that, there's the whole ketosis and ketones thing, which I don't know if you, I'm sure your listeners are probably more familiar with that. But as far as like the individuality, I think there is a idea out there, especially with all the fasting and the low carb and the keto world that we're broken and we shouldn't like that. We should just be using fat. Like we need to go low carb and high fat. And like, that's all we should be doing. We should be in ketosis. Like that's the thing when I think it's likely more beneficial to be able to based on your individuality and how carb tolerant you are to be able to switch back and forth between the different fuel substrates. And I don't want to say have your cake and eat it too, but find the carb level that works for you where you can burn carbs, you can burn fat and the body can happily switch between them while maintaining stable blood sugar levels. And while not dealing with both hypoglycemic, like hangry feelings where you need food now or on the flip side, really high blood sugar levels after meals because your body can't adequately deal with food. So I love metabolic flexibility and, and like, there's like the lumen, there's like blood sugar monitor. There's a continuous glucose monitors that you mentioned. There's a lot of different biohacking mm-hmm. things people can use as tools in the toolbox to try to support that. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. 
It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mycosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. So I think what's, there are a lot of big takeaways from what you just said. Bioindividuality rules, experimentation's critical. I myself have not been rigid. I mean, I've been a version of low-carb paleo over the last nine years. Uh, Me too. Obviously, after my healthcare hiccup, I was carnivore for nine months because my gut was just destroyed from six weeks of antibiotics and antifungals and surgery and stress. And so it's really only been when I got to about the 18 month mark after coming out of the hospital, which was fairly recently that I was able to eat vegetables again. And I missed eating vegetables. I missed eating salad. I didn't want to just eat meat. 
although I love meat and I'll be the first person to say that. And so acknowledging that in the past two years, I've been paleo, I've been carnivore, I've been modified carnivore. And to my great surprise, I got a lumen in November and I got a CGM in January. And for me, it was really enlightening to see that my body right now, even though I've been doing more protein and I've been doing healthy fats and lower carb, I had to flip-flop those macros. So more healthy fats in terms of my macros were higher in, in fat, a little lower, like I would describe moderate protein. And then my carbs, I kind of cycle depending on how physically active I am. But the other big takeaway from having a continuous glucose monitor was the surprise of oh, by the way, I can eat tropical fruit, but not a plantain. Like if I eat a plantain, my blood sugar goes to about 150, which is not good, but I can eat a tropical fruit, like a banana or some mango and I'm fine. I mean, my blood sugar will pop to 110, come back down. So it's been you know, a very helpful device. And I'm sure you probably have had some similar insights, meaning maybe it validated some things you were gravitating towards. Maybe you, know, you looked at yourself, you're like, I had no idea that my body was reacting this way to X particular food. I don't do well with rice either, which that wasn't really a surprise because I haven't done a lot of grains anyway but really trying to focus more on non-starchy carbs. That's where my body wants to be right now, but I don't feel great when I do high carb either. So it's trying to figure out the happy place where I have plenty of energy. I sleep really well and I feel good. Like cognitively, I feel good. Yeah. Also like you wearing the CGM was such an enlightening experience. I don't even know how many rounds I've done. Probably like six or seven rounds taking a breather. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> kind of like with the supplement overwhelm. I think I hit mm-hmm. CGM overwhelm. I was like, no more, but it's well, you incredible. Get you get mm-hmm. obsessive. Like I'm like, Oh, let me check my blood sugar. <laughs> yeah. Like all the time. But I think the thing that was really, really enlightening for me and for listeners with a CGM, it's basically a a device that you apply onto your skin. It is not painful at all to yep. put on. Like it <laughs> looks like it. I have a lot of videos on my Instagram of me putting it on super easy to put on, mm-hmm. but it measures the glucose levels and the interstitial fluid around your cells. It's not actually measuring your blood sugar. It's measuring what seeps into your cells, which is why there's actually a lag behind. They say like what you see on it is about 10 minutes after what your blood sugar would have been. I think the thing for me is just how different your blood sugar can be, at least for me, like minutes apart. And I'm not saying like I go from like a fasted blood sugar in the eighties to like a hundred, not that at all, but like in the eighties, it could be like all, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be like 81 and then it could be like 90 even like, Mm -hmm. and it'll just be so different. And it makes you think, realize when you go get your blood tested conventionally, that's a snapshot of that one little moment. And you could have like, come in five minutes later and had a different blood sugar level. But for me as well, it did sort of intuitively line up with what I was perceiving, which was that, cause just really quickly, like my diet history, like I said, I was low carb. I like you for probably it's been about nine years. The reason I started doing paleo was I read the paleo solution by Rob Wolf. Obviously that's why I'm the fangirl of him. Um, <laughs> so I definitely had like carb fear for like a very long time. And I was like, you know, high fat, low carb, like carbs are the enemy. And I did low carb like that for probably six years or so. And then I decided to bring back carbs with much trepidation. And I went a high carb, lower fat route because something I do actually feel very strongly about this. I feel so strongly about this. I talk about this on the intermittent fasting podcast all the time. I think the definitions of low fat 
high carb versus high carb, low fat are very, very important because I will often suggest people who are struggling to lose weight or find themselves in plateaus that they, if they have not tried one of those approaches that they try one of those approaches, Mm -hmm. but it's an either, or, and it's a literally low meaning low. So low carb, high fat. And this is for people who are trying to break through stubborn fat or stubborn weight loss or, you know, lose those last few pounds. So like low carb, high fat, keeping those carbs low. And again, it might, it's probably individual for people, but you know, I mean like the Atkins induction diet is like 20 grams net net carbs, which is kind of where it all started. And then for the low fat, high carb thing, the reason I think it's so, so important to keep it low is that a lot of people think of low fat and they think it's not low fat. It's like moderate fat. And the same can go with the carb side of things, but I think there's a danger that can happen if you're doing really, really high carb, but your fat's not low enough to receive the metabolic benefits because the fat is impeding with the signaling. Like if it's just a tiny bit too high. So basically in the studies, they find a ton of health benefits for like low fat diets, like when the fat is actually 10% or less. And then after that, I think it can get pretty dangerous pretty quick because if you're in a really high carb situation and then you bring in just a little bit Mm -hmm. too much fat, you can mess with that signaling. It's like on the flip side, if you're doing a really, really high fat diet and then you bring in too many carbs, but you think it's low enough, but it's not, that can mess with the signaling. And like either way, you're in a super high energy state from a given macro. And if you have too much of that other macro, I think it can mess with the signaling. I'm sorry, that was such a tangent. No, but it's an important one. And I'll tell you why. I think, you know, one of the things that the registered dietitian with NutriSense was trying to get me to do, because she was saying, I think you've been low carb for so long that you get this hyper response to carbohydrates. So she wanted Mm. me trying different, you know, one day I want you to have a cup of blueberries. One day I want you to have a cup of squash and then watch your blood sugar. And so I would say to her, I was like, this is freaking me out because, you know, I'm watching in the instance of when I tried plantains, I'm like plantains, they're cooked in coconut oil. I mean, this should be like a no brainer. And then watching sky high blood sugar. And she said, you get this physiologic insulin resistance. So you're talking about that signaling pathway that is messed up because your body either has become unaccustomed to processing that amount of carbohydrate because you've been doing low carb for so long. Even for me, if I do too much protein, like I've been very, like very protein focused, that can mess up my glucometer because we know, you know, through gluconeogenesis, hundred grams of protein is going to turn into six has the potential to turn into 60 grams of carbs. So, you know, it's the, these nuances that sometimes you're unaware of, unless you're wearing a CGM or you're using a lumen. And I'm not sure if that was the direction you were going, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Cause that for me has been really enlightening. Like I've been like, wow, like I'm a very healthy weight. I don't want to be any smaller than I am. I'm stable where I am, but that was surprising. Like for me, I'm like, yeah. I am not physiologically insulin resistant, but because I've been low carb for so long, my body just doesn't really know what to, hasn't had, is so insulin sensitive, hasn't had to secrete a lot of insulin in response to carbohydrates for a long period of time. Can I ask you two questions about it? So the blood sugar response to the plantain, so did it drop back down or did it stay elevated? The plantains came back down, but it was such an exaggerated response. They were like, okay, we want you to do that again. And it happened again. They're like, okay, that was real. Cause they kept yeah. saying, well, maybe it's the coconut oil. Maybe it's the salt. And I'm like, it's not the salt. That was my second question. Do you try it without the coconut oil? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. And yeah. I'm cause so that's, bummed. 
that's actually, uh, well, starches for me because plantains are very starchy. So I do a lot of fruit as well. That my carb source is fruit. So mm-hmm. I was just thinking of how I didn't finish like the diet history that I went through, but what my happy place is very, very high carb and fruit. And when I say low fat, it's, I basically eat like whole meats without added. I don't add oils. I don't add anything. Mm-hmm. Like I get really nerd, at least definitely for me, but for a lot of people, if you're metabolically inflexible, I think people think, oh, I need to add fat to the carbs to mitigate mm-hmm. the blood sugar response. I'm not a fan of that. I reserve the right to change my mind. Oh, first of all, I want to say, I don't know anything. These are all just my thoughts. Like <laughs> I don't want to say I'm ever right about anything, but my thoughts at present on that is I don't think there's ever, I get really nervous about adding fat to carbs to mitigate a blood sugar spike. I think it's less likely to have our body adapt to using either fuel because our bodies are not made to be using fat and carbs at the same time. And historically right. we would have been having carbs like because of the, of nature, right. <laughs> we would right. have been having like carbs summertime. Yeah. Or fat. The only mm-hmm. time they're really together is Processed nuts. Food. Yeah. Yeah. And like nuts for autumn when you're like stocking up. That's another thing I tell people to try to cut out if they're trying to lose weight is Things nuts like nuts, cheese. nuts and cheese. Oh, cheese! Are like two or big <laughs> oh, I mean, I was low oxalate for like the past eighteen months. I've just been able to start eating some nuts again. Like, like a macadamia nut with salt is like my happy place. But I tell people, I'm like, cheese is so hard for people to keep to. I mean, serving. And it's if you think about it, dairy. Because I have a lot of nuanced thoughts on dairy, and I think different forms of dairy have places in people's diet. But dairy, the function of dairy is to grow something. Yep. So it is a hormonal food, mm-hmm. literally telling you grow, store yep. weight, store body fat. It's hard to, yeah. Tangents. Yeah. I could go on tangents all no, day, every day. No, no. I think the discussion is really important to have because people are trying to navigate how best to put their macros together, how to navigate like what food paradigm they fall in. And I always say like, be open-minded, be fluid, because if I was mm-hmm. stuck in my carnivore bucket, I would really still be missing things in my diet that I intrinsically feel like I need. You know, I know we both have interviewed Paul Saladino and there's a lot of people in the carnivore space. They're like anti, everything's anti-nutrients. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's all about balance. Like truly it is all about balance and finding out what works for you and your body. But let's touch on, you know, one of the easier biohacking devices, I think that's out there in terms of ease of use. It might not be easy to interpret. I think a lot of people get flummoxed over the lumen. And can you touch on the lumen a little bit? I've been personally using it for the last four months and it's correlated nicely with my CGM data and then also my thyroid medicine nightmare that I've been dealing with over the last six months. I was like, that was like the burning guy. I kept saying like, this is the piece that no one is paying attention to. I was like, it was able to predict when I went from fat burning and stayed stuck carb burning for like six weeks when I was taking compounded thyroid medication, which is a whole tangential conversation, but talk to us about Lumen. I think Lumen is one of those Mm -hmm. devices that is really, really interesting and fairly user-friendly. Yeah. So Lumen is very, very cool. It's actually the only device that I've expanded on it since then, but it was so popular with my audience that I started an entire Facebook group for it. (laughs) Since then I've added to that group Biosense, which is ketone breath analyzer and CGMs, but people are just obsessed with Lumen. I'm actually giving away one on my Instagram right now, which is really exciting. So basically what Lumen is, it uses 
the science of indirect telemetry. And that's what they use in a lot of like clinical studies where they determine if people are burning carbs or fat. And the way it determines that is by it's a breath analyzer that measures the levels of carbon dioxide in your breath, because when we burn carbs versus fat, they create different levels of carbon dioxide. So it determines if you're using carbs or fat. And the reason you were talking about its ease of use, unlike a, well, the continuous glucose monitors do provide like data and you can work with a dietitian if you're doing NutriSense and things like that. But the Lumen app is very user-friendly and it actually makes dietary recommendations that you follow to try to, its goal is to get you to a place of of metabolic flexibility. And one of the things I really loved interviewing the founder, Daniel, was he was saying when he first started it, he was thinking that I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the idea was that when he started it, he was thinking the goal would be low carb. Like that would be what it was trying to get you to. But he's realized since then that it's not that, like it's changing up your macros and learning how to switch back and forth. So the way the device works with you is it makes dietary macro recommendations and it helps your body reach a point where you can get into fat burning mode more easily and also be having, you know, carbs at certain times, fat at certain times. So when I first got it, I used it like round the clock and I hit a little bit of biohacking overwhelm with that one. So I haven't used it recently, but I obviously run a whole group for it and I see everybody talking about it. And I'm actually getting really inspired to bring it back into my life because I want to see if I, I want to play around with my personal Mm -hmm. macros and see if it can help me reach a place where I feel good, which something you were talking about with the CGM, how intuitively like do you see on the CGM what you intuitively feel? And I was seeing that, that like intuitively, I feel like now I'm at a little bit at a place of more inflexibility. Like I feel mm-hmm. like in the past That's I was, goal. yeah, I want to get to a place where I'm burning carbs adequately and all of that stuff. So I am looking forward to uh, doing a Lumen run pretty soon. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12 month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, 
me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Yeah, I go in and out. Like I would say there's probably two weeks out of every month that I will use it, you know, every morning and either after a workout or at the end of my day, just to kind of check in. But I agree with you that you can get to a point where you just feel like you're data overwhelmed. But for me, it's been really important because my thyroid medication was taken off the market in September and I've had five different medications since then. And so for me, it's correlated nicely with, is my weight stable? Is my weight going up? Is my weight going down? And at the stage of life I'm in, I don't like to be regimented about weighing myself, but it's been helpful for my functional medicine people to say, hey, this is like, we're not heading in the right direction or yeah, we are heading in the right direction. So, you know, for me, I've been grateful for it, but I probably of the two, I would say my CGM is the most enlightening. Like there are times where I'm like, how in the world, but you know, for listeners that don't or haven't used a CGM, what I like about it is you can see your response to stress and sleep quality and nutrition and exercise. You know, I have a really lovely client that lives in New York City that plays tennis. And she called me while well, she reached out because she was freaking out. She was like, oh my God, my sensor hit 165. And I was like, what were you doing? 
playing tennis. I'm like, okay, you're playing really strenuous tennis. You're a really good tennis player. Okay. Maybe before, cause she was doing it fast. I said, okay, maybe before you go to play tennis, this is what we need to do nutritionally so that you don't see such wide fluctuations. We adjusted some of her macros and now her blood sugar is staying much more stable, but you know, not all spikes in your glucometer are bad. Sometimes it can just show you it's been, you've got insulin sensitivity, you get this spike and it comes back down because your body responds in terms of appropriate insulin secretion and response to whatever you've eaten. And then your blood sugar comes back down and that's what you want to see. And that's what's capturing that metabolic flexibility. Now I want to be super mindful of your time, but one last thing I'd love to hear from you is talk a little bit about biosense, you know, this ketones meter that you have become, you know, you have this special Facebook group that is instrumental in some of these biohacking devices and how would that play in with some of these other devices that we've talked about? Yeah. So ketone measuring, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are very familiar, but you know, that when you are in a fasted state for a certain period of time, or you're doing a low carb diet, there's a, an alternative state of energy generation called ketosis. Normally we're burning carbs and fat in the Krebs cycle. And when we are fasted for a certain amount of time or doing low carb, we can start generating ketones from dietary and body fat and ketones. There are basically three types of ketones. There's acetoacetate, which is the first type of ketone created. And it's actually the energy form. So like when we're burning ketones, we're burning acetoacetate. Then there's BHB, beta hydroxybutyrate, which we see in the blood. And then there's acetone, which is a a byproduct of when we burn acetoacetate. That was a lot of big words, but the thing to remember is that BHB, people are pretty familiar with that. That's blood ketones is what we see in our blood. It's actually a storage form of ketone. So it's not actually being burned, which is interesting. It has to be converted back into acetoacetate to be burned, but the acetone, which we can measure breath ketones. The interesting thing about measuring breath ketones is it's really the only thing we measure that tells us if we're burning fat. Mm-hmm. When we measure blood ketone levels, it's hard to know if we're actually burning it. When we measure urinary ketones, a lot of people will do with urine test strips. That actually, when we first start a ketogenic diet, those tend to be really high because we're starting to create this acetoacetate ketone and our body doesn't know how to adequately burn it yet. So we start excreting a lot of acetoacetate in its whole form in our urine. So that's why people's urinary ketones might go away, even if they're still doing ketosis or ketogenic diet. So especially on the intermittent fasting podcast, we don't even recommend testing urinary ketones because it's not that telling blood ketones you can measure. But like I said, the acetone, that's what's created when you burn acetoacetate. So when you burn ketones, that is the byproduct. So measuring it in your breath can be very telling for, are you actually burning fat? And that can be dietary fat that you ate, or it can be body fat. But as far as, cause people often ask me, should I get a biosense? Should I get a lumen? Like, what should I get? Should I get a CGM? I think it really depends on your goal. Mm-hmm. So if your goal is ketosis, measuring ketosis, seeing how long you stay in ketosis, seeing how things affect that you would want a biosense. If your goal is determining metabolic flexibility, like how you, when do you burn carbs? When do you burn fats? that's when you would get a lumen. So for example, like if you are on a ketogenic diet, 
and you're in ketosis, a lumen would show you as a probably number one fat burning like that. It's not going to show you that you're burning ketones. It's just going to show you fat burning compared to a biosense, which would show the level of ketones. Then the CGM would be, yeah, just realizing how you're reacting to foods on a very, very granular level. The biggest change I made from ketones is I ketones from CGM is I started taking berberine, Gotta love berberine. which is very, very effective by lowering blood sugar levels. So that's yeah. an incredible synopsis. I'm so appreciative of not only your friendship, but your graciousness. How can people connect with you? You have two podcasts. You've got some amazing Facebook groups. What's the best way to connect with you outside of this podcast? Sure. Well, thank you for having me on. I was really looking forward to this for such a long time. And I just so respect you. I look up to you in in so many ways and you're doing such incredible work. I love that you're a practitioner and you have your shows. I just really, really respect your work and our friendship. So thank you for having me on as well. So if listeners would like to learn more, I have the intermittent fasting podcast, which in Stevens, but I also have the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. And that's where, that's the one where I interview all the guests. And that's like my baby show. Like, I just love that show so much. And that's where I geek out on all these things with people. You can go to melanieavalon.com, which is my blog. I do a lot of blogging there. I have three Facebook groups. If you type in Melanie Avalon, group in Facebook. They'll probably all come up. My main hub is IF biohackers. And we talk about, so anything related to anything remotely of what we talked about today, I mean, Cynthia and I talked about today, that would be the group to be in. I also have a Lumen. I don't even know what it's called now. I, I had to keep changing the name because I kept adding things to it. I think it's called like Lumen Biosense and CGMs, carbs, mm-hmm. fat, and ketones with Melanie Avalon. And then I just started a new one, which is a huge passion of mine, which is the role of clean beauty and safe skincare. I just think this is so huge because our skincare is our, like our largest exposure to endocrine disruptors every single day. Cause we're putting these compounds on our skin. If we're using them and conventional skincare makeup, there's just no regulation for endocrine disruptors, which mess with our hormones. So I'm really passionate about that. So I started a group for that called clean beauty and safe skincare with Melanie Avalon. And then the last thing is Instagram, which I try, I'm really shy and I don't like selfies and all of that, but I'm trying to post a lot on Instagram and I do a lot of giveaways. No, you're doing a great job. And that's the funny thing. Melanie prefers being the interviewer as opposed to the interviewee. (laughs) And so it took a little bit of convincing to get her on the podcast, but I'm so grateful again for your time, your friendship, your knowledge. You constantly amaze me. And, you know, I appreciate there are other women out there doing really high quality podcasts because that's what it's really all about. Let's inspire people to take better care of themselves. I know. I could not agree more. We talk about this all the time, you and I, but um, yeah, there's just so few women in this sphere. So it's really wonderful to form this tribe, if I can use that word, just to be uh, connected and all of the work that we do. I'm really, really grateful. And this was really fun. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals 
and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness. 